One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you Everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive in June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive in June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weightloss. That's plushcare.com slash weightloss. It's the Round Ball Rock Podcast, starring Dave Schilling. Spencer Hawes, Joe Harris, Joey Devine, Alonzo G, Alexei Schmidt, Sean Keen, Raheem Christmas. Sir Dominic Pointer, special guest Jake Fisher, Patreons Chi Chi, thank you Chi Chi, Mitch Rodericks, thank you Mitch, Mark Lake, thank you Mark, musical guest David Griffin. And now the temporary host of Brown Ball Rock, Joey Devine! Hi, it's me, Joey Devine, your temporary host of the Round Ball Rock podcast, and we are back with another brand new episode. I'm here, as always, with my co-host, my best friend, your Uncle Dad, Sean Keen. Sean, how are you? Hey, I'm good. I'm good. Doing well. Are you currently demanding a television show retract a uh, a retraction from a television show? Are you yes, uh, it's the, it's the show Caroline in the City. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I, I don't I don't think they're fa- I don't think they're fa- it's not it's not in the show. It's in the comic strip within the show. 
that I'm upset about. And, uh, you know, to be honest, I'm not, I haven't asked yet, but it would be nice if, um, just shoot me acknowledged some of my spec scripts that mm-hmm. I sent in. <laughs> yeah. Here's uh, the thing. I imagine if George Siegel and David Spade had to change jobs for one day. Mm-hmm. It's true. What if, what if the, uh, what if the dad from Veronica Mars was for some reason considered sexy? <laughs> Oh, yeah. Like a photographer, a guy who, like, looks like a serious creep. That's what I like. Uh, For our listeners that don't know what we're talking about, look, we have a big show. We have an NBA newsbreaker on, and it's the playoffs, but the only thing I want to talk about is Jerry West demanding an apology from the television show Winning Time. Yes, a retraction and an apology. Um, Okay, so... um, I'm going to tell you my favorite thing about it first, and then you tell me your favorite thing okay. about it. Yeah, yeah, let's do that. So, so this retraction demand uh, is, like, written by a lawyer, but also just kind of mailed to Adam McKay mm-hmm. uh, at his offices. But it also contains, like, letters of support and testimonials mm-hmm. from, like, Mitch Kupchak and Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Mm-hmm. That is also how he... Uh, did his memoir. There are a lot of like <laughs> testimonials that people write to him. And so my question is most of the letters in the book mm-hmm. end with end with someone saying like, you know, I'm 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 happy to write this for Jerry. I'm just I'm sorry he's so miserable and I wish he'd go to therapy. Like four <laughs> different people it ends like that. So I'm wondering if these letters also did like Adam McKay, I think that was very unfair. He never threw his trophy out the window and also I I just wish Jerry would go to therapy. So my favorite part about the, the the letter is so all of the the testimonials from like Norm Nixon and Kareem or whoever are uh-huh. all like and Michael Cooper are all like yeah Jerry was never mad uh he Jerry never acted like this at all but all of the parts written by Jerry and his lawyer. The, his main beef with the show appears to be them saying he didn't want to draft Magic Johnson. Like, the the anger parts and the, like, characterizations <laughs> are, like, throwaways. What he's really mad at is that TV Jerry West wanted to draft Sidney Moncrief instead uh-huh. of Magic Johnson, who, by the way, is also a Hall of Fame. Yeah, he's a, he's a very good player. Um, yeah. Well, Sean, we're in luck because uh, I actually um, got in touch with Jerry West's people and got him to send us to send a statement to us. Oh, great. Okay, so um, I'll play that right now. What's up, Lakers fans? NBA logo, Jerry West here, uh, full of enthusiasm. And I've got this thing and it's golden and I'm just not giving it up nothing i know we've had some rough years but keep me in the loop that's right that was actually jerry west um it was not at all a recording of rod blagojevich or uh <laughs> uh ellen barkin from uh animal kingdom animal kingdom pitched down to sound r.i.p like, uh, smurf yeah, yeah. Smurf. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh sean um we got a big show, but we also have some mail, and you know yeah. what that means. We've got to go to the phone drop. Yeah, we do. 
Sean and Joey can't come to the phone right now, but luckily phones are the domains of me, a robot. If you know the extension of Tillman Fertita, please dial it now. Press 1 to have a single beer with Zach Lowe. Press 2 for Senegal-related inquiries. Press 3 for Movie Times read by Brooke Lopez. Press 33 to hear problematic things Bill Simmons wrote in the early 2000s. Press 0 at any time to leave a message for Sean and Joey. That's right, you two can leave a message for Sean and Joey, just dial 323-682-0342. Once again that number is, 323-682-0342, please give me a call, being a robot is a solitary road. Alright Sean, uh, our call comes from our friend Mike Burkett up in Portland who I'm sure is enjoying the C.J. McCollum show, but we'll get to that later. Mm-hmm. Um, here's what Mike had to say. Hey, Sean. Hey, Joey. It's Mike. Uh, taking a break from the first day of the playoffs and out for a little walk, and a thought came to me, and I want to run it by you, too. What is, what is the scariest movie that Jeff Van Gundy has seen? Thanks. I'll take my answer off here. This is a truly great question. That's Sean, good. What is the scariest movie Jeff Van Gundy has ever seen? So I, I had some thoughts, and I thought that um, I think I think Jeff takes a lot of things at face value. I don't think he watches a lot of movies. Um, I am basing that on the story about him driving for 17 hours without listening to the radio or a podcast yep. or anything. Um, so I think he might have gotten very scared at the movie Step Brothers when he saw it mm-hmm. because he thought it might mean that he and Stan would have to move back in together. Mm-hmm. And then he saw the fake testicles and he just started like ranting at that point. But, but I think that Jeff Van Gundy accidentally saw Poltergeist 2 and it really scared him. <laughs> Why Poltergeist 2? Uh because I think he wouldn't have seen the original for sure. Mm-hmm. And I think I think what happened was uh he's just dropped out of Yale to play college basketball somewhere else mm-hmm. and and then coach college basketball. He's trying to review game film and the videotape uh gets switched and he ends up watching like a Poltergeist 2 that somebody taped. And it's like mm-hmm. super long play. So it's actually he thinks it's scarier because the sound is so weird. Anyway, I think he he accidentally watches an unlabeled tape of Port- well, Poltergeist 2 and then um, ends up wa- watching a lot of it, thinking that the game film will start at any moment. And it never does. And it gets really scared. It's a really good. That's a really good one. I think the scariest movie, of course, is uh, he's ever seen is, of course, Disney's Hocus Pocus. <laughs> Um, And I think it's because he's a big fan of Bette Midler and Kathy Najimy, but also Uh he was looking through his fingers the entire time. He's scared. He's so scared of those witches. Um, I also think he, um, one of his players at some point talked him into seeing Con Air. I think it was Mm -hmm. Charles Smith actually on the Knicks. Mm -hmm. And it really scared him because he remembered there's that scene where they, they, uh, a plane is getting towed by by Conair, mm-hmm. 
And I think it reminded him of the time that the New York Knicks team plane uh, destroyed his Honda Accord. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> so, Sean. We... Also, no one on the team would give him a ride home. <laughs> <laughs> so, Sean, we don't just take uh, phone calls. We also take written mail, which you can do at uh, patreon.com slash roundrockpod. By joining our Discord, you have a uh, 24-hour access to us at all times. Yeah. Of <laughs> uh, <laughs> all also, our personal numbers. <laughs> you also get bonus episodes. But if you don't feel like uh, doing that, you can always email us at roundrockpod or contacting us on Twitter at or at roundrockpod or our email is at roundrockpod at gmail.com no at i don't know why i'm having trouble with twitter <laughs> handles and emails all right uh sean <laughs> our question comes from our friend beeps who okay. asks is there an nba player you are fond of who had joker energy during his career but involved evolved into another form of energy like a pokemon or is there a player who unexpectedly has Joker? Man, I I was thinking about the Joker today. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, look, we're the preeminent podcast for NBA Joker studies, right? Yeah. I don't yes. think anyone else dives into it. We're the it number one NBA up. Joker pod for sure. And I noticed, um, I was I was watching the Bulls Bucks game today, and I saw uh, Demar Derozan's giant tattoo of Heath of Ledger's, Heath Ledger's Joker, Joker. Yeah. Mm-hmm. and uh I did some research and I found out he actually got that tattoo he was inspired because uh Rob Palinka mm-hmm. actually introduced him to Heath Ledger after that movie came out and it was a really <laughs> special moment for him he and Kobe met him uh, it was cool um okay so who had Joker energy that evolved into a different form of energy uh, this one to me is an easy one Okay. It's Matt Barnes. Oh, interesting. Because Matt Barnes on the court was uh, angry chaos of both mm-hmm. good and bad. Uh, also, like, real spindly, uh, but also would definitely fight people. Uh-huh. Um, but now, as a media man, he's, like, a thoughtful weed dude. <laughs> yeah. Um, I would say Rashid Wallace Formerly had some Joker energy, although that was a little bit of a. That I'm was not racism. I'm, you know, I'm trying to cross. It's more like a. I'm trying not to cross. Uh, yeah, comic book streams. It's kind of a J. Jonah Jameson situation, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, he just kind of got out of Portland, and then and then he had like delightful energy. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was that was a very Pokemon transformation. I just don't know how much he changed. I think he was maybe just as delightful the whole mm-hmm. time maybe um okay so a player who unexpectedly has I have joker the most energy. unexpected joker okay. in NBA history it's Daryl Armstrong uh what? he did he did a layup in the dunk contest uh-huh <laughs> and he also uh that one time as a Dallas Maverick when the uh minute when the uh Washington football team uh, beat the Dallas Cowboys. He took the arena's microphone and asked how about them Cowboys. That is really. <laughs> it took him a long time to get to the NBA, so maybe his he didn't feel free to Joker it up quite that hard right away. There um, is nothing more 
Joker you could do, though, than a layup in the dunk contest. Well, I will say that Michael Finley did a cartwheel in the dunk contest. Yeah, but that was like a lame dunk. You know what I mean? Like, he still <laughs> dunked after the cartwheel. Uh huh. Didn't Dwight Howard technically do a layup when he had the Superman cape on? But he's too? like over the rim. <laughs> like, Daryl Armstrong is like <laughs> below the rim when he. Why was Daryl Armstrong in the dunk contest? I can't remember him ever dunking. Like, I'm sure he can. Um, I would also say that I did not expect Nate Robinson to have the degree of Joker energy that he had when he entered the league. Like, like it was like, oh, this, this guy was a football player. He's, 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 he's small and cute. And then it's like, he beat up Malik Rose in the shower. Right. <laughs> like, that's how the Joker would beat somebody up. <laughs> I mean, that's more like Eastern Promises energy, though. Yeah, you know I guess I mean? that's true. That's Viggo Mortensen energy. That's a that's a whole different podcast, <laughs> honestly. Um, I will say about Nate Robinson, his performance in Uncle Drew has the uh, he's going for it in the way actors go for it when they play the Joker. Now. Yes, it's a it is a it is a performance where. Uh, Reggie Miller and Chris Webber are doing insane, uh, like silly character choices. Like, mm-hmm. like it's not good, but they're they're like trying to do something. They're, they're doing a voice. Like they're in commercials, though. You know. Yeah, what yeah, I mean? yeah, yeah. Like, oh, yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Like this is. It's very much like, what if that guy who lived in the in the the Wendy's the, was the Wendy's seat <laughs> breakfast? Yeah, was also old. Like that's kind of <laughs> it. And then. Shaq has a degree of seriousness, which is actually a little bit unsettling mm-hmm. in the film. It's very unsettling. But Nate Robinson is like a method actor. Yeah, it's very... And, and he has no lines. He doesn't have a lot of lines. And so <laughs> there will be these scenes where like Nick Kroll and Tiffany Haddish are, are riffing mm-hmm. with Lil Rel. And then... Uh, and then... Uh, Nate Robinson's catatonic in a wheelchair. Yeah, staring into the distance in an un, in like an uncannily believable way. <laughs> I will say, what what do you think is the most dramatic scene in Uncle Drew? Oh, it's uh, Shaq and Uncle Drew and Kyrie Irving standing at the woman they both loved's grave. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's uh, I believe it's Shaq's wife's grave. Yeah, yeah. I think that's and uh, <laughs> Uncle Drew had sex with her, which mm-hmm. broke up. Their the team, team and they yeah. they don't really resolve it. Uncle Drew just says, "I loved her too," yeah. and then then Shaq's okay with it, and then he's mm-hmm. doing a nude scene. Mm-hmm. Shaq does a nude scene in Uncle Drew, in case you haven't seen it. Not um, not his first nude scene though. <laughs> is he nude in like Grown Ups Two or something? He's gotta be. I've seen Shaq's <laughs> butt on film before. <laughs> um, it wasn't that shocking. Um, <laughs> it's like it's less. Big and more long than I expected, mm-hmm. I would say. <laughs> um, I mean, who else has Joker energy? Though, it's Sean? weird. We're because missing some people. It's weird because the people who embrace the Joker, like as a character never or a Halloween costume, never. Yeah. Um, I thought Raja Bell had a degree of Joker energy. Um, he was a little too. He had like. I just remember him doing like some crazy violent thing. Did he like like he horse colored Kobe, Kobe in the back of the, he yeah, yeah. horse colored Kobe? Yeah, yeah. And it was sort of like 
I guess he was maybe like scrappy enough defensively that uh, the full Joker could come out. I just never felt like he way. was out of control. He had like he had like a. I will say it's hard to have Joker energy on the Phoenix Suns in any era. Yeah, I mean, I would say Stephen Jackson had Joker energy for yeah sure. from the start. Yeah, but it wasn't uh, unexpected. <laughs> no, and instead of instead of the Joker letting the mob's money on fire, he made Chris Cohen uh, light a pile of his own. Well, money he on also fire. lit his own money on fire by uh, not accepting that contract from the. Remember that? <laughs> um. Yeah. Well, and then the other time he lit some playoff money on fire when he somehow wasn't happy being the fifteenth man on the team, and then Tracy McGrady almost won a ring. Yeah. As a result, after he got uh, kicked. <laughs> I will um, say. I mean, I mean, are the We Believe Warriors, like, is that a team of Jokers? No. I mean, there's two. There Andres is two Jokers. has Joker energy. Kinda. But at the time, he didn't. He's I would say like, Petrus like, had the third most Joker energy on that team. I'm, not, that's, I'm just saying that is a significant <laughs> amount of Joker energy, and I would say that Monte Ellis grew up to be a bit of a Joker. Yeah, He's like the Joker without getting dumped in the vat of acid, maybe. I just don't think Baron Davis or so ever. Yeah, I, I'm just saying that's a lot of Jokers sure. in the rotation. I can't think of a team with more. Okay, J.R. Smith. Does J.R. Smith have Joker energy? No, J.R. Smith has, like, Riddler energy. (laughs) (laughs) I was going to say, Bill Lambeer has Lex Luthor energy. (laughs) Yeah, like, he's he's just an open villain. guy who's an asshole. (laughs) And he's like, I'm just going to use my my power and my white privilege to to take you down, too. I do um, think the bad boys. Oh, Dennis Rodman had. Joker I mean, that's energy. that's that, the number one. Joker. You could even maybe say that the Joker has Rodman energy. Yeah. To be honest, um, Anthony Mason he had Joker energy for sure. Oh, Javaris Crittenden for sure. Yeah, well, um, <laughs> he had like. A... <laughs> Um, all right, we got to move on because we've got a big show. Uh, we're going to have an interview with Jake Fisher uh, from Bleacher Report. But before we do that, we have to, as quickly as possible, talk about the playoffs. It's the NBA playoffs. Uh, playoffs? Don't talk about playoffs. You kidding me? Playoffs? Basketball for humans. We're going to be championship. Data for robots. Both teams play hard, my man. Both teams played hard. All right, Sean. Here's how it's going to go. Because we have to get to Jake, what we're going to do, we're going to go over what's, oh, we're going to go over, the, we're, you're going to announce the series and what it's, what the score of the series is. Mm-hmm. Then I'm going to play the Pitbull playoffs theme and, uh, if the song ends, the conversation ends. <laughs> like, that's as long as we can go for each series. You got it? Yep. All right, Sean. What's our first series? It's uh, the Miami Heat are up 2 nothing on the Atlanta Hawks. All right, Sean. Uh, okay. This series has been um, not great, I would say. Uh, uh, 
Yeah. What's your hottest take? On this My series? hottest take is if the Miami Heat win this series, uh, Jimmy Butler's best friend Mark Wahlberg should be allowed to give Trey Young a haircut. <laughs> and my my less hot take is that the Miami Heat somehow made themselves wildly more likable when Victor Oladipo came back and sat down, mm-hmm. and then uh, Max Struess started starting ahead of Duncan Robinson. Like suddenly, this is you don't have to root for like a weird prep school guy. Yeah, uh, I would say um, my take on this series is. Uh, are, sorry, I did not realize Mark Mark Jones was at the end of that clip. <laughs> but that's the end of the song. No hot take for Joey. All okay. right, Sean. What's our next series? Uh, the Celtics are leading. The Boston Celtics are leading the Brooklyn Nets two games to nothing. Okay, you ready? Mm-hmm. What's your hot take on this series? Okay, well, Jalen Brown has 45 points in two days, two games. He's shooting 18 of 37. He has seven steals. My hot take is that fasting is not that hard. <laughs> uh, my hot take on this uh, series is game one was uh, the best first playoff game uh ever in a series in a first round series at least and also Kyrie Irving should be allowed to uh give more people the finger I agree also defensive player of the year that's for babies might as well be for Marcus Smart we're giving adult men trophies might as well be a weird thug who injures people all the time and tried to jump kick Clay Thompson on the face uh, uh my other oh my other take on this series is uh Sorry, I'm always going to laugh at Mark Jones announcing the Indiana Pacers when that comes up and my take doesn't get to come. All right, Sean. What's oh, our next boy. Series? Okay. Uh, the Bucks and Bulls are tied 1 1. Okay. So my hot take is that Chris Middleton's MCL was sprained tonight because of Grayson Allen's terrible karma. <laughs> Pat Connaughton should just get an MRI now. By the way, tonight, Grayson Allen had two points. Uh, and then he made one of two free throws with time expired and his team down five points. Uh, my take on tonight's game is that uh, DeMar DeRozan's awesome, dude. Uh, but um, I don't know. They either need the Bulls need some a few more players. <laughs> I know, but <laughs> if they, they're going to beat Chris, the Middle, Chris Middleton's <laughs> out, baby. Dr. <laughs> Nate Duncan said he's out for two weeks. <laughs> Uh, uh, but also, you can check out more about this on The Bulls Are Back in Town, our Patreon-only Bulls mini-pod. One new episode coming this weekend. All right. There's Mark Jones. It means it's time to move on. <laughs> We're really getting into it. Okay. Uh, the Sixers are up 3 nothing on the Toronto Raptors. All right, Sean, All right. what's your hot take? Uh, Danny Green has transformed the Sixers. Suddenly, their offense has spacing. They're closing out on three-point shooters. They're not giving up transition buckets. And honestly, they're playing basketball the right way, thanks to (laughs) Danny Green, who is honestly a borderline... Joey, I'm sorry, Dave Dufour uh, Venmoed me $14 to say that. (laughs) (laughs) And if Uh, you Venmo me $14... No, um, go ahead. My take on this series is the reason the Sixers look like a competent, good basketball team is because they're finally playing B-ball Paul. 
Paul Reed, getting minutes, not doing anything except being like a plus 14 every game, even though he puts up like zeros in the stat line. He had he had two points tonight in eight minutes and two turnovers and two fouls. In game no. two, I think he he had he put up full zeros, but again was a plus twelve. All right, Sean, what's our next series? Uh, our next series is the Sun, the Phoenix Suns, and the New Orleans Pelicans are tied one game each. Um, my hot take is that the CJ McCollum trade was really a steal, in part because they got Larry Nance Jr. But um, it's honestly crazy that they beat Phoenix with their big offseason acquisition, Devontae Graham, uh, playing seven minutes and three rookies playing like all the time. And my hot take is David Griffin only succeeds by accident. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. No, that's definitely fair because he also accidentally signed LeBron James that time. All right. Um... <laughs> Uh, I would say my hot take on this series is uh, it's a bummer Devin Booker's hurt, but proof that uh, you shouldn't be fist bumping babies ever. Yeah, that, that that's it. That's a fist. It's a baby. I do think back off, dude. I do think it's very possible he thought that was Chris Paul, though, not yeah, just some say, is baby. Very, as a young-looking forty-eight, <laughs> small man. Uh, all right, Sean. What's our next series? Uh, this is the, the Memphis Grizzlies and the Minnesota Timberwolves are tied one game each. Uh, so I believe this both strategically and spiritually that, uh, the key to the series for Memphis is playing Kyle Slomo Anderson as much as possible. Mm -hmm. Uh, mainly because he's like slow and deliberate and, uh, the Timberwolves are very fast mo all the time and totally out of control. He's like, like if he shook hands with Jaden McDaniels, they would cease to exist. Um, my take is less about this series and more about uh, what happened in game two. And it's that referee Zach Zarba, we looked at you enough in the first quarter of game two. <laughs> You don't get to do that anymore. It took 45 minutes. You had like eight reviews or something uh -huh. and two technicals. I hate you. <laughs> it also, it like saved the Grizzlies because Steven Adams was in foul trouble and they had to play uh, uh, Tillman and Clark. All right, Sean. What's our next series? Uh, the Warriors are up two games to none on the Denver Nuggets. All right, here's my hot take. Uh, so far, Boogie Cousins and Nikola Jokic have both gotten two technicals in a game and ejected. Aaron Gordon and Monty Morris each have a, a technical. I think that Facundo Campazzo joins the rotation in game three and gets one uh, and a flagrant two. And I think Bones Highland will get one before the series is over. My over-under for future Boogie Jokic technicals is <laughs> uh, my hot take on this series is everyone's looking for a name for that new insane Warriors lineup with Poole, Clay, Curry, uh -huh. Wiggins, and Draymond. And uh, the only possible name, do not listen to anyone else, the only name officially recognized by uh, Round Ball Rock is Andrew Wiggins and the Water Dudes. Yes. Uh... <laughs> 
they're also the Batman lineup because they they make the Joker crazy. You, you're not allowed to keep talking. All right. Uh, you're uh, right. You're right. You're right. <laughs> I okay. have to delete that now. Thank Damn you. Damn it. <laughs> All right, Sean, our final series. What is it? Uh, Dallas Mavericks and Utah Jazz are locked up at one game each. My hot take is that Mike Conley is no longer the best player to never make an all-star team, though. Did he really make that all-star team? He was the third injury replacement. But I do think he's the best player in NBA history to go scoreless in a playoff game while the guy he was guarding went for 41 points. And isn't that even more unique and special? Also, my other hot take is that Rudy Gobert shouldn't have even been third in that Defensive Player of the Year vote, because he sucked ass. Uh, My take on this series is, uh, I don't know, the first time I ever heard the name and saw the player Dorian Finney-Smith, I laughed, and uh, now I feel bad about it, because he's fucking tight. (laughs) Yeah, it's really good. It's just so great. Maxi Kleber, Dorian Finney-Smith, and... Spencer Dinwiddie just beating those whiny babies off the court. All right, Sean, that's the playoffs. Wow. I I think we pretty much covered everything. I think so. Um, We'll be doing that probably for the rest of the playoffs now, because that is the best way for us to cover actual basketball games. I think is uh, 56 seconds uh, a piece. Um, Sean, we had Jake Fisher on. Jake, you might recognize Jake Fisher if you're on basketball Twitter as uh, um, he writes for Bleacher Report. He breaks a lot of news. He hosts a podcast called Please Don't Aggregate This. And he wrote a book called Built to Lose, How the NBA's Tanking Era Changed the League Forever. Uh, we talked to Jake about what it is, what's it like being an NBA newsbreaker. And you can hear that right now. Here's to you, past Joey. <laughs> We're very excited to have with us uh, a Brooklyn-based journalist. He is a writer for Bleacher Report. He is a newsbreaker, and he's the author of Built to Lose, How the NBA's Tanking Era Changed the League Forever. He also has a new podcast called Please Don't Accurate This. Please welcome Jake Fisher. Jake, how are you? I'm doing well, guys. Thank you for I'm, you know, I actually have the show today in an hour and it's, I'm not like identifying as a podcast host, but people keep people keep plugging it when I do talk places. So it's like I'm trying I'm trying it on. I'm seeing how it fits. Yeah, it's really new, right? You've only done four or five episodes. So I was at halftime not to go into full self promotion mode immediately. Um, I was at halftime for a little while doing like a live audio type thing. Um, and now at, at call in on the app there, the, the episodes get saved and chronicled as full podcasts. And I, I, I believe they're in Apple and Spotify now too. So, oh, very nice. Very nice. Yeah. yeah there's that's, my plug. A, that's a big step for <laughs> podcasting as a, a podcaster myself. So, um, Jake, what we, a thing we wanted to talk to you about for sure is, uh, what it's like becoming an nba newsbreaker because that's something that's happened to you somewhat recently where you've kind of uh jumped the upper uh, into the upper (laughs) echelon of like must follows on twitter yeah so the first thing i want to ask is like how do you like cultivate a source because <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. we're idiot comedians, and the only thing we know how to cultivate is drink tickets. 
Yeah, we. <laughs> <laughs> I've got I've got a couple of buddies in the New York stand up scene, so I definitely have uh, a lot of respect for. Um, what, what's the role of the guys who stand on the on the street, basically? Oh, barking? barking. Yeah, yeah, I've yes. done that. Yeah, <laughs> respect for the barkers out there. Um, <laughs> I think um, you know the funny thing about being like a quote unquote must follow and being aware of the push notifications that happen is like something that I am aware of. And like the fact that um, like I tweeted about Kendrick Lamar's album announcement and a couple of people wrote that they found out about Kendrick Lamar's album announcement from me, which like is kind of dope. Like I, uh-huh. yeah. no, I, mean, I, I think like 90% of Twitter found out that Trump had COVID from Shams yeah. that one yeah. time. Yeah. yeah that's. <laughs> I actually remember where I was when Trump. I was I was on the toilet because Twitter uh, news storm that happened. But yeah, to answer your question about you know quote unquote cultivating sources, I think the the best way to do it is to not view people as sources, which is kind of uh, a backwards way to go about it. Um, but like I remember when I was younger and and. To give you the real answer, like I started meeting a lot of connections around the league. Um, when I first was 18, 19 years old at Slam Magazine as an intern because I was doing these draft profiles for players who were like 15 to 40 on the mock drafts because they weren't getting any press. So mm-hmm. yeah, I was finding their agents' contact info online and calling them up and saying, I'm with Slam Magazine, like let me give your guy some pub. Yeah. And the agent info leads to, you know, one day when you start getting credentialed and meeting making uh contacts when you do stories with you know the celtics come into town and brad stevens is the coach and you know i i watched other people like pete thamel who was a mentor of mine at sports illustrated like just go up to people and say hey let me get your number i'll text you the story when it's up and people want to read about themselves and um i think just valuing that human element of who the people are on the other side of things you stay in touch with them in a respectful way like players uh-huh. don't want to be your friends a lot of these people are not your friends <laughs> they're, they're contacts uh-huh. um and you do it long enough where i was just writing like fun mike d'antoni's addicted to starbucks stories that you guys <laughs> probably would have enjoyed uh-huh. and like for a while at si i was just kind of like the goofy like oh that's a jake fisher story quote unquote people would tell me in the NBA of like different, like I did a whole thing one time about like calculating the cost of um, a summer league invite from like the hotel room to the gear, to the oh, box, yeah. blah, blah, blah. <laughs> just like a random, we like, what is that story? But I knew it was interesting to basically show like how much money is being spent on these guys who aren't even going to play at all in the NBA. Uh-huh. And by the time I bleach report, came in in the fold i got laid off at si in 2019 bleacher was very nice to have me on um they wanted to push me into being in this transaction space and i literally just called 15 guys i knew around the league and said can i call you every week now to ask you about this stuff and they said yes and then from there once you start writing about what's happening it's Uh not too too hard to get the contact info at least of the people involved and if you just make the call like i've come to find out at least where i'm at at this point people are are typically going to answer so um that's just kind of what happened so that's good to know (laughs) if you want your twitter replies to immediately jump up to uh thousands of people saying jake my wife left me all you have to do is uh 
years of quality, uh, respectful journalism work. Yeah, pretty much. And then uh, occasionally, do you ever have to meet an agent like in a parking garage yeah, like at how midnight many, who's smoking uh, cigarettes? How many big trench yeah. coats do you own? Yeah. Um. <laughs> I mean, it's funny, but that stuff does kind of happen because I mean, let, let's be honest. The reason I think I've had some type of success in the quote unquote news breaking space is because it's a pretty um, saturated market. There are particular people let's say who get a you know large swath of the information and when the information is final and i think a lot of the information that i'm able to bring out is stuff that might not necessarily be stuff that people want out it's very nice to you know have a report that says so and so signing a four-year 80 million dollar deal uh-huh. You know, he had great success in his last team, and like now he's going to be in a perfect role here. I mean, I, there's value in doing that too. And I obviously, uh-huh. and when someone deserves their props, I give them their props. I, I try to be as honest and fair as I can be. So yeah, like when I do write some stuff, like the real reason, the real re- reason that Gerson Rosas got fired in, in Minnesota was because he was having an affair with someone in the public relations office. Like that was the real reason, not anything else. So like. Sure, when I write something about the Pacers and Nate Bjorkman and there's some Toronto details, like there are people from those teams who don't necessarily want to be seen with me at Summer League in public because it was, you know, a, a recent uh, because occurrence. Nate might punch them because yeah. he's uh, a rageaholic. I said it, not Jake. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So, well, of, of things that you've recently broken, uh, it's interesting. So you you recently tweeted that uh, you thought Jake said there's a big possibility that Ben Simmons is going to play for game three. Um, can you confirm that uh, his teammates were saying that he was playing like Jordan? <laughs> <laughs> so one thing also, to, this, this is the podcast of record, right? So when I say yeah. things, everyone in the world is going to uh, hear everything. <laughs> yes. you know? yeah. Well, um, 800 people in the world, but yeah. Solid as a rock is what our, our logo is. There you go. Uh, NBA rumors die in darkness. Um. <laughs> I just think uh, two things also about like, the newsbreaker space. I think it's funny that people think everything gets leaked because I, I promise you, I don't get leaked anything. I'm yeah. playing with the nail to get it gets leaked to other other places. Um, the other thing is when people when I when I report something when people say like I thought I said like I believe it was my take. Like I don't think Ben Simmons. I mean I I I do think Ben Simmons is going to play Game Three but because <laughs> people have told me that Ben Simmons is trying to play Game Three. So like, it's funny when people say like. Oh, Jake Fisher wanted to break up the two Jays in Boston. Ha ha ha. Look at how successful they are now. Like I just said that on a radio show because a lot of people in the NBA were like, shit, Boston's not doing so well. Maybe they'll, you know, not this year, but come the yeah, off season, sure. they have another flame out. You know, no one expected them to do what they did. And now everyone's saying Jalen Brown is off limits. You know what I mean? So like, I didn't, I don't think what I'm reporting, I'm just saying what, I'm hearing so yeah. it just me sometimes that people like get mad at me for coming up with an opinion about whatever, but it's not an opinion. It's a, it's a report. Yeah. <laughs> so I want to ask about your background a little bit uh, as yeah. like, a, a, na- like becoming a newsbreaker. Is there anything in your uh, 
like youth, did you love rumors and gossip <laughs> in high school? Were you the guy constantly being like, oh, did you hear about uh, what happened in third period? <laughs> and I wouldn't say I'm a gossip, but like I definitely am someone who people um, I think like to talk to mm-hmm. and I like to ask like particular leading questions yeah to figure out oh like i'm pretty sure Susie likes johnny like how can i put Susie and johnny together in a way (laughs) where like they don't really know that i'm putting them together like planting Uh little seed type things stuff like that or like if i know someone in the friend group is like a little bummed with another friend i can like push them together Uh like, like like on the walk to the bar from the pregame like that little like little nudge. Oh, that's like a little little moment that we that you guys can share, and then it'll be like blend into the rest of the night and all of the uh-huh. clock. That's definitely because <laughs> a lot of the job is like is like hearing about a dinner. Let's say this is an analogy I always give to people. Uh-huh. If there's six people at a dinner and something big happens, if I can talk to four of those people, I can pretty much figure out from their different vantage points what the truth what the truth is, mm-hmm. um, or at least what I believe to be the truth. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, so it's like kind of, NBA Rashomon. That's your job. Kind of, yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I, I do joke <laughs> with people who I meet in the real world um, who like kind of don't, like some people like know what I do and they're like, <laughs> like, what is like, what is this? Like? <laughs> other people are like, that's a job. Like what? So, <laughs> I, I used to explain it as, as being an NBA gossip columnist um, as like a quick, as like a quippy way to say it. Like it is. So I get that. But I also do try to make sure that like what I'm writing isn't like, sometimes I will write a rumor because it's interesting that it is a rumor. Like I wrote about the Lakers a couple of weeks back. Um, Cause it was fascinating to me. There was this rumor going around that an agent for clutch sports, obviously LeBron's agency, mm-hmm. this guy Omar Wilkes, um, whose father Jamal Wilkes played for the team um, or for the Lakers. Yeah. He's um, on winning time. Uh, yeah, anyway. I believe Omar <laughs> played at UCLA or is from the Cal- California area originally. Forgive me if that's incorrect. I'm just talking on a podcast. Yeah, yeah. Um, but um, so he was being rumored as a potential GM replacement for Rod Palenka, which I thought was so fascinating that it was everywhere. So when I called people who would know, they all shut it down. And multiple people said to me, well, that rumor is actually being perpetrated by CAA agents who are trying to prevent Clutch from stealing Paolo Benchero, who CAA represents for NIL purposes at Duke. Like, that's a story to me. Yeah, yeah. Like, that little gossip game. Yeah, I'm going to write about the gossip if that's something that's showing a real tectonic plate shifting detail of the NBA hierarchy. So that's when I write about gossip. But there's a lot of stuff that I hear every single day that um, I'll tell people like, yeah, I think that's a rumor. Like I, I've heard that too, but I don't think it's real. And I mean, those rumors are part of my job too, being that just making fun conversation with people on the phone. I'll say like, what's the craziest rumor that you don't believe I, that you I was just going to ask yeah. you, I you don't have to say it, but what's the weirdest <laughs> fake rumor you've heard? <laughs> um, I mean, I'll just say like, there's stuff all the time about people having like, a stripper girlfriend or like some like stuff like that or like a secret family thing amongst executives like mm-hmm. typical like rich guy things that you or, or like party boy athletes yeah. tropes like i mean unfortunately like those those stereotypes get 
you know, the the drum gets beat a lot, like that type of. Uh Yeah. So and so's got a baby mama in this city, in this city, and the reason why he wants to sign with Atlanta is because that's the like it'll be cheapest for him. Like he's got three baby mamas there, like that type of. I mean, it's Uh it's a lot of it's bullshit and like offensive to hear. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, people do say that. People absolutely do say that stuff. Um, how much when you're talking to guys that could be sources, are they trying to get find out information from you at the same time? Yeah, it's like every conversation and uh, like a cold information war. <laughs> no, I mean, sometimes they are like there's definitely I mean, when you write about something that is bad, like there's just a bad situation. Mm-hmm. Like or like I'll know. say it like anything in the Dallas Mavericks front office. Anyway, keep going. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like that's a good example. If I was calling Dallas people about that whole story or the the ongoing whatever mm-hmm. story, I mean, yeah, many, or any of those know. stories. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like that would be a call where it's like, all right, like I'm doing my job. I'm putting my my reporter hat on here. Like I know you got to protect the company shield. Blah blah. Or like whenever I was talking to Brooklyn or Philly people about the James Harden, Ben Simmons situation. Like, it wasn't a bad thing, but that was, like, that was big boy pants stuff, you know? Um, <laughs> you had to put your fedora with the card that says press yeah, on but yeah, also, yeah, yeah, also, Yeah, but also they did too, right? Like, that was a very, that was a very, the I think the reason why, like, I was able to provide a lot of information that I did on that story was I was just, I was very attuned to all the, things at stake for every actor involved you know kevin durant's stake kyrie irving's stake james harden's stake ben simmons's stake joel and bead's stake daryl morris stake minority owners in philly you know the the brooklyn for like when you when you were the able rocky to, statue yeah 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 when you're <laughs> able to talk to people in those situations and be like look i see where you're coming from like i understand blah 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 but like here's where i'm coming from i have a job to do it's very easy to i think nav to like put on that hat but to go back to answering your question like people make fun of me all the time when I'm in those casual settings, like, oh, oh, oh is this on the record? And it, uh-huh. it, it does kind of annoy me <laughs> to a certain extent because I feel like I've tried to separate myself um, from that type of thing. Like I always say, we're, we're, we're off the record until we're on. And sure, like if I'm having lunch with a guy and he says, I mean, we're just talking shop and he says something that's interesting. Like, yeah, I am going to file it away. It's like an, like an off the record thing to just know my bank of knowledge. But that's just like what I think those guys are doing too, to answer your question about them. Like people call me wanting to know what I know every day. Um, and I think um, that's, that's why people want to answer my call too, because like we, we can, we can provide value to each other and, Unfortunately, a lot of people have taken that to be on our side of the business. We can provide value by spinning a narrative. Uh-huh. I I don't do, um, but like they can pick and choose to give me information that they think will benefit their narrative. And it's up to me to be responsible to think, well, why would someone be telling me that? Let me, that's one piece of that puzzle. That's one person sitting at that dinner. Now, how do I play that against all the other information that I have? So um, I don't know. I'm just going to end my ramble there. <laughs> <laughs> so would you say one of the main tenets of being an NBA newsbreaker, it's like your classic reporter thing, right? You have to cover the who, the what, the where, the why, the how, and the what are the salary cap implications? Yeah, that's, that's rumor. Yes, <laughs> for sure. 
Um, I mean, honestly, you could probably cut a lot of those and just narrow it down to what are the salary cap implications. <laughs> <laughs> like, I, I, I've come to meet a lot of the analytics, the, the cap cruncher dudes in, and women in front offices who, um, I mean, really do run the show a lot of the time, especially for an ownership group that does not want to be paying luxury tax dollars. So, I mean, a lot of transactions that happen um, are you, you can find the root of it by following the money. And a lot of them, you can predict what's going to happen. Um, like I do try, I do try to cover NBA front offices, like I'm covering wall street. Um, so it's definitely, you can, you can definitely see like the Portland trailblazers. I didn't know exactly what they were going to do at the deadline. Right. But I mean, pretty much anyone who talked to a couple of cap minded guys in the league understood very well that the Blazers were going to do at least something to get under the luxury tax threshold because all they had to do was shave, like I think it was 3.9 million. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, there's a lot of those moves that definitely happen. But also when some like when the Heat, for example, move a, a pick uh, to or they move Casey Akpala in like a second round or to free up a first round pick, like a lot of people are like, oh that's going to happen at this deadline. But there were definitely people I was talking to also said like, nah, they're doing that now to start preparing options for what they could do this summer. And now that they know the deck is cleared, like that gives them a full range to just run all these different simulations and ideas and blah, blah, blah. Um, and then you just write that down in your, in your running notebook and yeah. keep that filed away until the next time someone says something, Oh, Miami, blah, blah, blah. First round pick. And they're like, oh, let me recall that note. And you bring it up and then you start asking a lot of people about it. And there you go. Yeah, that was actually going to be partly my next question where it's like, so the way the NBA season works for you, right? Like the games are at their most important now, but it sort of seems like there's less for you to do in between the summer and the trade deadline, right? Like is this sort of a downtime as like a, a news breaking guy? I mean, obviously you're getting like Ben Simmons is maybe <laughs> coming back or like Kyrie Irving yeah. flipped off another fan or whatever, but like, yeah. <laughs> it just seems like there'd be less like pounding the pavement needed. Yeah. Um, it's starting to pick back up now that we've got 14, 16 teams. How many league teams in the league? Well, everyone's talking about expansion, expansion, expansion. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that number 30 isn't so quick anymore. Um, yeah, there's 16 teams who are out of it right now. So those teams are on full on offseason mode. And um, every single agent is right in the, th- the, the, the throes of trying to sign these draft prospects. So the, the definitely the, there are wheels moving in that regard. Um, and a lot of the, the wheels that are being moved are teams also setting their table or getting their cards ready. I'm running out of dumb metaphors, <laughs> um, for when these other teams get knocked out and to start, I mean, cause it's, I mean, dirty secret, it's like pretty much considered fair game that once your season's done, like once you're done playing games, if you're a free agent, if you're, you know, no longer under contract, like, or, you know, teams that aren't playing right now like a lot of those players know like if they're probably going to get traded like like there's a couple guys i'm not going to name them but um there's definitely a couple guys around i mean one like malcolm brogdon let's say his name's been out there like a while um mm-hmm. right the second that the pacers acquired tyrese halliburton 
everyone around the league was like, Malcolm Brogdon's probably getting dealt this summer. Like, I, I don't know if that means he's not going into the Pacers uh, facility every single day, but yeah. like, there are some guys who, who, who in that situation would definitely be like, cool, I'm out. I'm going to go work out in Miami with my guy, or I'm going to go to my hometown, or I'm going to go to just the city that I've come to like, and I'm living there in the offseason now. Um, like the offseason wheels are churning. The dead zone is between post deadline. Like, I don't know. There, there's there's some some dust that gets settled that you can still kind of sweep your broom and write a couple stories off of uh-huh. um, after the deadline. But it's it's really quiet between that and like now. And then I'll I'll be I'll have stuff. I mean, the job gets easier. It gets busier, but it gets easier now to write something interesting now f- until like summer league honestly so it's, it's like we're in busy season for sure um and then like august september it's it's pretty quiet um once the season gets back up like kind of have to start figuring out something again and that's uh-huh. like injury usually injury related like right. oh this guy got hurt in training camp what's the yeah. trade talk now um, this guy, uh, which guy actually gained 20 pounds of muscle and which people yeah. are just saying he gained 20 pounds of muscle. Exactly. <laughs> but you don't you don't have you don't have sources telling you um, what's going on in like Greek islands or anything during <laughs> August and September. I mean, listen, man, I know there's 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 literally thousands of people that I've come across in my this is my ninth year covering the league from like boutique agent why to and i'm not again i view sources as people this is not to commodify everybody Uh but like from agent why to random assistant coach for from some european team that i interviewed seven years ago for a story for slam like there's people i i don't even know who they are anymore like honestly i'm sure they don't even know who i am because we talked (laughs) one time yeah but like if i'm coming across a name like I remember there was this prep school coach at, like called the Kent school or something like that in Rhode Island, that, like just happened to have coached two kids back to back that I was writing about in two drafts. And I was, when I got on the phone with him a second time, I was like, Oh, like we're old friends. Like I'm sure if I came across his, his name's not even coming to mind right now. Uh-huh. Or if like I saw him doing research on, you know, let me connect all the dots to all the people in this guy's orbit that I might be able to get a hold of. Um, like if I saw his name, I would definitely say like, Hey, remember we did that story a couple of years ago. Um, so I, yeah, it's just, it can be, you never know, like to go back to the Greek islands, like when I'm calling someone randomly, like you never know where they're going to be. Like I, I got on the phone with someone for the first time last week, who's in Costa Rica right now. Like maybe he was going to see some high school kid and I was going to know about that kid. And then long story short, seven years from now, that kid was Giannis 2.0. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> There's so much basketball and these the people who work in basketball are just obsessed with it. They talk about it all the time. They travel to go see it. They eat, breathe, sleep it. So yeah. Like could I, could I hear about some random dude playing in like Cancun on vacation who some college coach saw and recruited one day? Like I, I wouldn't rule anything out. Yeah. So your book is, I mean, your podcast, we'll talk about, we'll get to the book in a second. Your podcast <laughs> yes. is called don't aggregate this. And, yeah. uh, there are certain NBA newsbreakers. I'm thinking of one at ESPN who's like the funniest personality in the NBA, in my opinion, uh, who <laughs> appears to be truly terrified of av- aggregators. Um, is there anything you're more afraid of than getting aggregated? Heights, spiders, snakes. 
I'm not afraid of getting aggregated. It's that I I get frustrated when people want to be like first on something that someone else reported. And by doing so, they also misconstrue the context. And then like an Instagram graphic goes viral or like an NBA central thing. That's, I mean, if I write a 1500 word story about the Lakers, but they pull out, you know, 280 characters and that goes super viral and it's misconstrued and then it's like wrong. And then maybe, uh, you get yelled at by that agent that, yeah, Yeah. that, (laughs) or then, or then also like, I mean, like I got a book out, I hope to do other books and like, I am, you know, I do value the integrity of my reporting. Like, if people start to get misled about my accuracy in my work and it affects my ability to do my job or to sell a product that I work very hard on that is honest and full of honest reporting, <laughs> that would suck too. So I do care about that. The, the thing about the please don't aggregate this title is that I, I just think it would be funny to see in like a who right. type No, it is. Fisher said, um, please don't aggregate. Like, that's this. hilarious. So that's really the only reason why I did that. I didn't, I didn't have a title on the halftime show because this is a podcast. Um, they, they asked to like have a show with a title, you know, and, uh, I just thought it'd be hilarious. So that's what I did it for. (laughs) (laughs) Well, now that actually led me to ask one more question before we get to your book (laughs) where, so our friend, Mike Richmond once told a story on this podcast. He's a blazer reporter about, uh, answering his phone at a Costco and Neil Olshay was screaming at him for like 20 minutes. (laughs) Where is the weirdest place you've ever had to take a phone call from an angry GM or uh, <laughs> agent or player's family member? Well, I mean, it's pretty easy to answer because I have I have IBS. So I spend a lot of time in the back. <laughs> and um, I get a lot of calls while I'm on the toilet. And there are like certain times like there are certain people as much as I don't want to admit this, there are certain people who, when they call you, like you have to answer, like it doesn't yeah. matter. Yeah. Like if you don't answer, it's a big miss, right? Yeah. Let's just, that's just sure. what it is. So that happens a lot. Um, there's honestly the, the time like now I'm, it's more about like, if I'm, I'm really drunk on a Saturday night and like someone's just like, I'm out with my friends or like, I remember I was in Denver for an Eagles game and like I'll be honest like I was very very cross-faded on like a Wednesday <laughs> in Denver and I got a call from a GM who was like really not happy about what I wrote and <laughs> I just like had to like navigate it and I remember my friend when I hung up was like what was that like how did you I was like fight or flight mode like it just, you just the senses come and you just gotta <laughs> gotta take the call and um so th- yeah those are the i mean that's usually those are the words i mean there are times where i'm like i can't i just can't yeah. talk to this person right now yeah. but for all those people that when they're when their name's on your phone it's a thing like oh, I sorry linda it. rambis it's my wedding day <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. uh, all right and then let's talk about your book which is about tanking 
Which is something as a longtime Golden State Warriors fans, uh, Sean and I were uh, upset with on a yearly basis because they would refuse to tank most of the time. Yeah, they were really bad at it. Sometimes they'd even try and blow it at the end. Uh, they Sean... won a game once with five active players to, <laughs> and they didn't get Boogie Cousins as a result. Um <laughs> Sean was at a game against the Oklahoma City Thunder one time where the Warriors had like an amazing comeback and it was the last game of the season and I was furious the entire time they were winning. It was um, Joey's best friend's birthday party, yeah. by the way, and we'd, we'd gone to suite and uh, as the as the scrappy Warriors took down Kevin Durant and Russell Westbrook, Joey was seething. That's it, man. Uh, so your book's about tanking and how it changed the NBA. Um I guess, how do you want, like, I guess my question is, <laughs> explain your book? <laughs> <laughs> so, the book came about being that I'm from Philly originally. I was covering the Sixers for Liberty Ballers at SB Nation while I was also doing that, like, early slam stuff that I was talking about earlier. While I was up at school in Boston, I had a credential to go to Celtics games and the Celtics traded KG and Paul Pierce to Brooklyn the same night that Hinky traded Drew Holiday to New Orleans to start the process. And that was also right when Orlando dealt uh, Dwight Howard in that uh, oh, yeah, deal that connected yeah. Philly and, and the Lakers. And they were tanking for that 2014 draft. Same with Phoenix when they moved uh, Steve Nash to, uh, to the Lakers. The Cavs were in the post-LeBron days. Like There was a lot of people, a lot of teams in the league who were trying to really try to mimic what OKC and what Miami had did in terms of, I mean, Miami tanked and got Wade and then Wade attracted LeBron and Bosch and the Thunder got three straight guys and KD, Russ, and uh, well, Harden. Well, forget they also tanked for Michael Beasley. That's, exactly. That was the big move that summer. <laughs> That's also part of why I wanted to do the book, being that I think because there are those those bad examples or the horror stories. There are also, you know, right now the, the Celtics are on the back of Tatum and Brown, who they got in these drafts that you know, they built through my book. Joel Embiid is, is the pillar of Philly. I mean, the whole thing with Ben Simmons didn't work out. Didn't work out with um, Joel Okafor. It didn't work out with Nerlens. It didn't work out with Michael Carter-Williams. There were so many other guys who came through that door, but it got Joel Embiid. It got a couple other pieces that got a couple other pieces that now help them get to this unit they have here. Like, Devin Booker is a big product of uh, the Suns draft tanking model. Um, I mean, they weren't trying to tank when they drafted him, but um, he um, was benefited with his growth by being in like a rebuilding setting and kind of getting thrown there. And DeAndre Ayton's the number one pick. Um, so I don't know. It was a it was a subject that I was covering very very closely throughout the start of my career. To bring this back to your very first question, like I met a ton of people around the league by covering that story. So I felt like I had the resources at the time to, I mean, I know a lot more people now than when I first, when I wrote that book, um, but I, not, not like an exponential amount more, but like, <laughs> like that helped. And you know, I met people through it, blah, blah, blah. Like I knew going into it, there are certain stories now where it's like, oh, if it's about this team, like I don't, I'm not the guy to write that story. Like I just don't have as many contacts or those people there don't love the stuff I've written about them in the past, uh -huh. <laughs> you know? Um, so I knew I could do that. And um, it's a topic that at the time I really cared about, to be honest, people think and want to expect me to have like such a, a strong opinion for or against tanking. 
and I've talked about it so much for two years. Like to me, it's just like a thing that I like, got a concept that exists in sports. <laughs> like it just is what it is. Um, it changed the leagues because um, that, that time period, because like directly because of Hinky and others, mm-hmm. they instituted the new draft reform where the, the odds are a lot lower. There's now four lotteries. All the top three, the bottom three teams all get an even 14% chance rather than the worst team having a 25% chance. Um, and the play-in tournament, you know, while they did want to have a lot of intrigue and, and encourage more teams to be involved um, at the end of the season, that was also to dissuade tanking and to and mm-hmm. to prevent and to give teams like New Orleans, who's in the playoffs right now, you know, if the Pelicans didn't have the play-in tournament, they would have absolutely tanked, um, you know, before the play-in tournament existed and before the odds were, at, were what they are. Um, so they're one, you know, success story, I guess, of the changes of that time period, but also you see OKC and Orlando and Houston and Detroit doing things that, you know, Sam Hinkie never, ever did that would make the process blush of just benching guys and sending them home for half the year and stuff like that. So, mm-hmm. um, obviously it's still alive and well, but I also think that, um, the concept wasn't nearly what it was and it wasn't so mainstream until the time period that I wrote about. Well, you uh, listeners get that book. It's called Built to Lose, How the NBA's Tanking Area Changed the League Forever. This has been Jake Fisher. Listen to his podcast. Follow me on Twitter. Uh, Jake, thanks so much for coming on. Also, where's Russell Westbrook getting traded? Oh, we're out of time on our Zoom oh, meeting. All no. right. All right. <laughs> Next time. <laughs> thanks Thank you for having me. This is awesome. This is a lot of fun. I really appreciate it. Thanks a lot. Hey, Jake. Thanks, man. That was great. All right, Sean. Um, so we wanted to finish off. Uh, we haven't heard from uh, our friends in a while. Uh, the the tw- the the dunking twins, uh, the biggest Marvel fans in the world, uh, Disneyaholics. One of them is in the playoffs. The other one is currently. I don't know. What do you think Robin's doing? Uh, I think. Oh no. Yeah, Robin was watch. He was. Uh, upset that TNT was not showing the closer tonight. He, he was said. because Brooke was playing on TV. He was burning yeah. his own brother. Um, well, uh, luckily, uh, we've got them right here. Uh, here's Brooke and Robin at the movies. Brooke and Robin Lopez at the movies. Twin brothers in Who and fandom. DC versus Marvel. Offense versus defense. Nerds who are jocks. Post ops versus hard screens. Jocks who are nerds. Kane versus Abel. The Snyder Cut. Take it away, Brooke. Or Robin. I'm not really sure who is who. Hey, Robin. Hey, Brooke, how's it going? Uh, it's going all right. Um, full disclosure to the listeners, uh, we recorded this uh, before the playoffs started. Um, and uh, my back, I just came back. Uh, I fixed it in that pit from The Dark Knight Returns. Wow. That's how I'm going to play in the, the playoffs. It was really crazy. All these guys were chanting, Ish, hoosh, hush. Heesh, hoosh, hush. Yeah, that's really cool. That's well, very watched, inspiring. Well, I watched a news report of you riding Splash Mountain. Yeah, really, over and over again. Yeah, and it really, uh, 
It just fired me up to get my back fixed and come back to town. You're not allowed to ride such a rollicking flume ride if you have a back problem. Me. Brooke, I mean, I know we are lifelong en enemies, but I've been very worried recently. Oh, why is that? Because I saw the new Spider-Man No Way Home. Oh, yeah? It's so and now good. I'm worried about the multiverse. Oh, why? Well, Will I have to fight mascots from time and space and other dimensions like Thunder or the Brooklyn Knight or Berserker 75? You, you could take you could take the Brooklyn Knight. What about Rufus him. D. Lynx? I met, look, I met the Brooklyn Knight. You yeah. Could take him. Okay, what about Sir Slamalot or Maxi Minor? I don't know who those are. Slay the Silver Fox and Mini Slither Attack Team. What about hip-hop, the, 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 the somewhat racist, unvaccinated bunny mascot of the Sixers? I would say if I were you and there's uh, multiverses, I would be more worried that you'd meet another Robin who chose um, playing on a basketball team that could use him instead of riding rides. I don't know, dude. It's pretty great. The Splash Mountaineer is even faster than the one in Los Angeles. I don't know. I but don't I think know. I saw Sam Dunk on it the last time. I'm scared. What if Ian Whammer and Dunk and the Dragon are in cahoots? All right, I'm sorry. I can. I, I got to get that out of my head. I want to uh, say, Robin, I'm a little upset with you. What's the problem? Um, you saw Morbius without me? Yeah, how could I freaking resist? Vampire? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I'll i be honest, I don't actually remember that character from the comics, but Living Vampire? Yes, please. I've played for Tom freaking Thibodeau, and that guy's a bloodless vampire, too. It's just, you know, I've been in that Discord for months declaring it Morbius Summer. Uh-huh. And I couldn't go to the premiere with Jared Leto and the other Discord folks. Right. Because I was getting my back fixed in the pit from yeah, the you, Dark Knight. You're in the pit. Well, well, here's the thing, Raw. Uh, there's the thing, Brooke. You're going to the freaking playoffs without me. I wanted to come along. And you said, no, Serge Ibaka's going to go. And he's going to serve gross food instead of uh, all the all the fun nerd ropes I was going to bring and regular nerds and extra butter pour over popcorn that Giannis loves. But instead you said, oh, it doesn't work under the salary cap. It's not going to happen. Look, I told you, Robin, like, you chose Epcot over playing on a team that, like, you could help. No, Coach Bud told me they had too many brothers already. Oh, I mean, that's true. And he did me. Brothers. Yeah, it's just Thanasis and Alex and Feta and Zeus and Kronos and, and, and. And Yanni, all the other Kumpos. Anyway, I mean, one of those guys is a really freaking great keyboard player. So I guess I kind of get it. Um, 
I, this is, after all, uh, Robin, a movie show, so I guess I should explain why we're here. Um, we're here to give away, uh, our, it's award season, of course. Right. The Oscars happen, or hap, uh, happened, and the Grammys are happening, and the VMAs. Uh. And so it's our time, it's the time of the year where we give away the Twinsies. Yeah. Uh, do you want to explain to the listeners why our award is called the Twinsies? Yeah, because we give out awards in categories that are the same, but also a little different. Mm-hmm. Just look, like you and me. Yeah. They, they, they seem very similar, but actually inside one of them is a wolf. That's me, Brooke. And inside of me is just a guy who wins the playoffs and is a really chill dude. Yeah, I, I don't know if I've ever met that dude. I've Shut met up! a guy who slapped me on a stage because he drank so much Jolt freaking cola. Look, I I don't really see a big deal over slapping people at award shows because every time you and I give out these awards, uh, I would say a good three quarters of it are us slapping each other. Yeah, pretty much. We sometimes we don't even open the envelope. I guess I I guess you. Once tried to paper cut me with the envelope. Usually that envelope is slapped out of one of our two, I mean, our four giant enormous hands within milliseconds of us getting there. Remember that time that you tried to punch my head through the podium? And then remember when I ripped off my rented tuxedo and tried to choke you out with the jacket? Mm-hmm. Why doesn't the Oscars have more of that? Um... I don't know. There's just not enough family love in Hollywood. Yeah, I guess I guess they just don't believe in affection. Mm-hmm. Although, remember when you told me uh, to keep Spider-Man's goddamn name out of my goddamn mouth? Mm-hmm. And then I actually had a Spider-Man figure in my mouth? Mm-hmm. That was kind of weird. It was really crazy. I don't remember why I even did that. I guess I was sort of in a fugue state. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, we should give out the awards now. Yeah, okay, that sounds good. Uh, our first category goes to uh, the best actor. Uh-huh. Um, and the award on three. Ready? Uh-huh. One, One two... two. Three. Three. Ezra Josh Miller. Lucas in the Forever Purge. Wait, what did you say? I, I said... I... Oh, that's really good. That's like the most applause-worthy movie moment I've ever freaking well, we'll seen. we'll get to that. We'll get to that. But I I gave it to him because he convinced us all when, uh-huh. and then went to Hawaii and was... Yeah, that was kind of like So me. he must be a really good actor. Yeah, it is kind of like you. It is kind of like me, except I'm not very fast. So what was your best actor? Um, I picked Josh Lucas as Dylan Tucker in The Forever Purge. You saw The Forever Purge? Yeah, I wish we had a real Forever Purge in the NBA with no flagrant fouls ever. I know, I got I got Chris to take to to take me. Chris our brother? Yeah, our brother Chris. He's allowed to do rated R movies? He has a fake ID. Oh. I mean, it's a GameStop card, but it works. Okay, best actress. Okay, um, I'm gonna give mine first. 
I thought it was Margaret Roby in Suicide Squad. Um, Brooke, did you know that Harlequin is a word that means clown, a conventional buffoon of the Commedia dell'arte, uh, and also has a mask and pigtails? But yeah, she does it all. She does I, it all as Harley Quinn. Of course, I learned that at Stanford. Yeah, we were both in gaieties. Mm-hmm. We almost didn't do it because it was called gaieties, and we realized it was a rollicking adventure of a theatrical production. Mm-hmm. So anyway, Harley Quinn loves, she cries, she murders wantonly, and even though the Suicide Squad is all about roughhousing, mm-hmm. and they go to prison for murder, and they destroy an alien race of starfish led by the kaiju-sized starfish Starro the Conqueror. Mm-hmm. But mainly I'm giving this to her because my girlfriend's going to be here for freaking Halloween. I'm not even sure what to do with that information. I Robin? think I might be Starro the Conqueror. He's a gross big blob. And, I love uh, him. Um, For best actress, I, of course, thought that the best actress was a... Angelina Jolie as Thena in Eternals. Oh, yeah. Because the way she was able to create those weapons with her mind, but also her mind was deteriorating from the Eternals disease that Uh, they have called Ma Wiry was uh, incredibly... Touching and it was also very touching. incredible. Yeah, I definitely understood that entire plot, Brooke. Mm-hmm. All right, best supporting actor. Who you got, Brooke? Oh, easy. This one's so easy. Uh, it's the dog for the CGI dog from Disney's The Call of the Wild. Oh, he was so good. Was that Andy Circus? I don't think so. I think it was like a real dog that they made CGI. Of course, he was called Buck. I should be I should be nice. His name is Buck. Yeah, uh, I read that as a graphic And he novel. just looked so good with Harrison Ford. And I really liked in the movie when Harrison Ford was like, give me back my dog. Yeah, that was great. I loved it when he did that. I was like, they better give him back his dog or he'll crash a plane on them. Um, well, my best supporting actor, uh, was from the movie, uh, 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 Free Guy, uh, which I is... I almost, I almost named it Free Guy. Was it, was it Big Guy? No, it wasn't Big Guy. Oh. I almost picked, I didn't pick Blue Shirt Guy. He's a main actor. Uh, what I like the best about this, I mean, look... There was a source code stolen by a CEO who used AI, and I lolled, and I was ROTFL. And what I really liked the best was when this movie talked about other movies and video games, because that's what we like to talk about all the time. Mm-hmm. And I think it's Sean Levy's best film since Real Steel. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, best actor goes to Richard Blevins. Although you probably know him better as Twitch streamer Ninja. I, of course I know Ninja. I have yeah. his cell phone number. What? Yeah. Sometimes I Snapchat him. It's what happens when you win a championship. All the famos want to talk to you. Wow. Um, can you tell him? Can you no. Give, oh, 
I wanted to speed run. Best supporting actress. Okay. All right, I picked Nora Lum, a.k.a. Aquafina, as Sisu from Raya the Last Dragon. And, and, as Katie in Shanghai. You can't, you have to pick. Well, um. You have to pick. Um, okay, well, it's hard to say, because in, okay, so Katie's really funny, and she helps fight on a placeless gray CGI background, um, like all finales should be on a faceless blank background or in a factory warehouse, but I gotta go with Sisu, the dragon who helps to banish the Droon, the eagle, evil dark-colored spirits that turn every living thing in its path to stone from the content of Kumandra, and then it unites the warring fang and heart tribes. That kind of reminded me of the time when we were leg wrestling for almost 72 straight hours. And then we joined together to go to the midnight screening mm-hmm. of uh, a ta- Revenge of the Jedi. I, um, for this one, picked uh, Veronica Falcone, who of course played Trader Sam, the female chief of the Puka Michuna tribe oh, in yeah. Disney's The Jungle Cruise. Wow. And it's not because I liked the movie, because uh-huh. I didn't. Yeah. But it just reminded me so much of Disneyland. Uh-huh. And one of the most boring rides at Disneyland, but I still love it. Yeah. So I felt like it really needed some recognition. Brooke, can I tell you a freaking secret? Yeah. My best screenplay winner was Glenn Ficarra, John Rickwa, and Michael Green for Jungle Cruise. Wow. Well, One of the greatest rocking adventures of the year. I guess I have to do my screenplay award now. Yeah, you do. Um, and I went with... I went with Dana Fox and Tony McNamara for Cruella because I felt like it was really groundbreaking to make a movie about a female Joker. Yeah, that was good. It had a lot of Joker energy. I think the conclusion that we can really draw here is that you need more than one screenwriter. Every good movie has at least two and possibly eight. Well, and I guess I don't really know how the screenplay category works, but do I also have to name the three people who got the story by credit? I mean, it doesn't even matter, but it just means that screenplay's three times better. I mean, we just made a freaking comic book and we had four people involved. Because, you know, you want to know something weird? You know who um has a story by credit on Cruella? Wait, who? That guy, Steve Zissis. Who's in Wait, the all guy, the, the, the undersea adventurer? No, the guy from all the Duplass movies. He's and he was the star of Togetherness on HBO. Oh wow, I know who that is. Wait, is was Cruella Mumblecore? I think it might have been. Wow. Um, okay, I guess now we're at best freaking director. Yeah. Uh, do you want to go first or should I? I think I think we Yeah. Zack Snyder. Oh, I I went a different direction, Brooke. What? 
My answer was Andy Circus, the director of Venom, Venom colon, Let Them Be Carnage. I like that they could have made it There Will Be Carnage, and they didn't because the movie There Will Be Blood made me so angry because it made me think of you always trying to steal my freaking milkshakes. Well, and also, also, that movie didn't really have enough blood. Yeah, I was going to say, you're like a really bloodthirsty guy all the time. Uh-huh. And you want to wait a really long time for any blood in that movie? It's true. Well, I like this one because you didn't have to wait, and he portrayed the struggle in living with a parasitic symbiote who won't leave you and is a true freak. Actually, Robin, can I change my my twinsy? For yeah, this you one? can change. You can change okay. your freaking twinsy. My best director goes to three Spider Men. Oh, wow. No way home. Yeah. I mean, I assume all the Spider-Men directed that scene. Yeah. yeah. They directed Um, all the scenes. Yeah. Um, Also, I want to give a shout out. He was snubbed at the Twinsies before, but Circus was fantastic with his debut. Mowgli, Legend of the Jungle. And I think he was the motion captor actor for Venom and Carnage. And Woody Harrelson. Well, he also played Alfred in the new Batman, but that's not eligible for a twinsy this year. That's going to be a twinsy next year. That's a twinsy next year. He's going to win. Yeah. All right. Um. And finally, best, best picture. Best picture. On the count of three. One. One. Two. Three. three. The Flash entering the, the battle force. Oh, wait. I actually picked that scene for Batman where Batman visits a mysterious prisoner at Arkham Asylum. And I loved it because the guy was talking in a weird voice. It was freaking unintelligible. But that's not eligible for a twinsie. You're story. right. It was the Joker entering the Speed Force. One it's of the, the greatest flash. scenes. It's the Flash it's the, What am I saying? I'm Joker. Guy. Oh, can I, uh, can I confess something? Yeah. I'm using performance-enhancing drugs for this podcast. What kind of cola? Pixie sticks. Fair. Yeah. But yeah, when he goes into the Speed Force, I was watching that scene, I thought, no freaking way Flash goes into the Speed Force. Yeah. yeah, I was just cheering and cheering and cheering, and I was cheering so loud that uh, the woman in the theater next to me, her ears started bleeding. Oh, that's so tight. I was jumping on my chair so hard that it actually activated rumble technology that's awesome. in the whole row. That's awesome. It was great. People were throwing popcorn at me. and It was sticking in my hair. I just started yelling, you're going to have to get into the speed force to throw that popcorn any further. And they said, that doesn't make any sense. And I just started going, speed force, speed force. And I put a guy in a headlock. Well, anyway, uh, that's the best picture of the year is, of course, the Flash entering the speed force. A freaking course. From, from uh... Zach the twelve-hour Justice League, League, the Snyder Cut. Um, th- that the awards are over. That's it. I gotta go play in the playoffs now. Bye. I gotta go in the teacups. Um, was strange, Sean. I don't. 
I'm not really sure what either one of them has been doing for like five months. I don't think Robin's been playing. Well, uh, Brooke was in the pit from the Dark Knight. Yeah, I guess that makes, that makes a lot of sense. That uh, you know, there's actually a bunch of theme parks in Orlando. It's not just uh, the Magic Kingdom. So you know, he's, he's occupying himself. Uh, Sean, that's our episode. That's our episode. Um, do you have anything you would like to plug? Yeah, I'll be at the Punchline in San Francisco featuring on May 3rd and May 4th. One's for Phil Wang, one's for Chris Both. Uh, and then as for me, you can always follow me on Twitter at Frankie Muniz, where on April 15th, I tweeted, I got to fulfill a lifelong dream of being in an at Hanson music, uh, music video. Don't let me down and check it because I don't want to have worn such short shorts for nothing. Oof. Boy. A lot going on there. Uh, Sean, uh, did you write a song? I did. I did. I uh, got on my Ouija board. I collaborated with the ghost of Jimi Hendrix, a song about uh, an emerging star in these playoffs. It's called Jackson Hayes. Playing under us now. Trust the process. Trust the process. And uh, shut it down. Let's all uh, get Jake Fisher's book. Jackson Hayes is in this game. Lately, the Pelicans are playing the same. His hair looks funny, but the student can fly. Excuse me, he shot two for five. Jackson Hayes loves a mini bar. Freaked out when he got stuck for rising stars. Did he play it, or is he playing out? Whatever it is, that cop tried to choke him out. A-cab. A-cab. Oh, yo, yo, yo. Man, this guy got picked 20 spots ahead of Jordan Poole. and pick and roll. Oh, baby. He lit Devin Booker's hamstring on fire like it was a guitar at Woodstock. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. 
They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.